Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. I met my guests of this episode a few times in social settings and what struck me the most is her confidence, her presence in the room and how she carries herself. So I was really looking forward to having this conversation and to discover the story behind this incredible woman who is a very successful entrepreneur, best-selling author and also female rights activist. Her name is Paola Diana. So after studying political science and institutional relations in her home country, Italy, Paola embarked on a career in politics, directing a think tank in support of former Italian Prime Minister Romano Prodi's political campaign and founding the association Pari Merito. She's never been one to adhere to gender stereotypes, challenging the ideologists of male supremacists at every opportunity. In 2018, Paola wrote the best-selling book, Saving the World, Women, the 21st Century Factor for Change, which combines the theories of sociology and history in order to show where sexism and misogyny come from and how to end them once and for all. Paola is particularly focused in helping victims of domestic violence and abuse and campaigning for better politics that could help preventing these type of crimes. Paola Diana is also the founder and CEO of Ultimate Recruitment, which offers recruitment and lifestyle services for the placement of childcare and household staff worldwide, and the recruitment for personal assistance and office support staff. She is recognized in the Spears 500 as one of London's most influential service providers for high net worth individuals. Paola is also an executive producer and host of highly inspiring YouTube show and Apple podcast, Unleashed The Game Changes. The show features candid conversations with successful women and men with fascinating stories. Paola takes her listeners back to deep content, empowering and inspiring. Enjoy this interview. Paola, um, for me, you represent modern women of today. You are independent, successful, you are very outspoken, you have your strong opinions, you're highly educated, you're strikingly confident, and I met you in person. It resonates throughout, through your presence, existence. You just catch the vibe of this undeniable confidence. And you know your worth, you know your power. That's how I feel the vibe that I get from you. But most importantly, you are a change maker and a passionate female activist. So you certainly don't sit on the fence. You don't watch the life pass by. You make your own actions. You, you do um, impact the trajectory. You make the change happen. So what did, what did it take mentally to be in the space that you are in right now? Thank you, Natalia, first of all, for your kind introduction. <laughs> I really love it. <laughs> 
So, yeah, it was a journey. Uh, of course, I, I think I'm naturally a confident person, but, uh, you know, growing up in a very patriarchal society like the Italian one, for an outspoken uh, child, uh, for an outspoken girl, it wasn't really easy, especially coming from a very conservative family. So I had to find my, my voice and I had to find uh, the courage to speak up. It's not always easy, uh, but now uh, definitely I'm uh, I'm more comfortable. Uh, I would say that uh, having success as an entrepreneur also um, gave me a lot of more confidence. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, these things, they go together hand in hand, right? I don't think you can have success, especially as an entrepreneur, because, you know, I always say that... Uh, you know, the work and the business life out there is like being in the jungle. So you need to be one of the, <laughs> one of the predators in the terms, you know, you need the, to be the lioness, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 If not, you know, people will try to eat you. I mean, that's the normal, you know, natural environment. It shouldn't, of course, but, uh, it's, it's quite hard. It's quite hard to succeed, uh, especially, you know, as a female entrepreneur. And yeah. And so I, I discovered that definitely, uh, being, you know, self-confident and, and believing in yourself, believing in your truth, you know, in your value is maybe the most important thing for anyone, for men as well, but especially for women. So thank you for pointing out that because I think it's a very strong and important point for everyone who is listening. Absolutely. And you are now on top of your game, but you had a journey, a very profound journey that could have broken a lot of people, a lot of women in particular, but you came out as a winner and you, I'm going to quote something that you said. I think my personal experiences have led to me making the fight for women's rights my mission. And I wanted to talk about your journey. Um, uh, we, We spoke briefly about the male dominant society in Italy in particular but also in the spirit of this podcast, because we talk about homes and home environment and household, I would like to ask this question from a, in a slightly different way. What was your household and the atmosphere at home like as you were growing up? And what does home represent to you and how has it evolved to the current day? So to look from within, but through the prism of your household and how how you set your home, what you had to deal with at home. Yeah, that's, that's very important that I, I can talk about this right now. Uh, I wasn't able to talk about that, uh, you know, until I was, I think, 40. Can you imagine? 40. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. I tell you the truth. I also, because, you know, I'm, I'm not a victim by, you know, um, nature. So, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely a fighter. And so I I never wanted, you know, people to think, oh, I'm sorry, you know, what you went through. And um, yeah, but I I had a quite unhappy childhood because um, my father was uh, quite a violent man if he wasn't happy about me doing what he wanted to do. And unfortunately, you know, I, I, I'm a rebel by nature. I'm not, unfortunately, fortunately for me, you know, but uh, for him. So I wasn't really following, you know, all the things he dictated, even small things, you know, because usually in, in families, you know, and the, the big dramas, they can come from small things because everything starts with the control. 
Mm-hmm. So you know, when you have uh, men like my father, you know, who are you know in power and they think they should control you totally, and you 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 don't want to be controlled, they react in a in a violent way, uh, unfortunately. So yeah, I I, I have few you know um, episodes that I remember when I was maybe eight years old. Um, and I had, I have an older brother who's now is not even talking to me. I uh, can imagine because I, I dared to speak with a journalist uh, of the times a few years ago when, you know, I published my book and I dared to say the truth, you know, about my childhood. And, and my brother was very upset uh, about that because he, he thought it wasn't, you know, so bad. And my brother, especially he, he wanted to imitate like, you know, my, my father. So, so he wasn't uh, being abused. No, because my, my, he, it was always the, the good one, you know, it was listening to him. So always doing what my father wanted. Um, so it was fine. And also, you know, it was a, it was a boy. It, it was the boy in the house. I think I was treated in a different way because I was the younger one and mm-hmm. because I was a woman. I don't think uh, my father was really, you know, uh, respecting women, uh, you know, and I think he wanted to control them. And um, he was obsessed, you know, with uh, things like me. He, he didn't want me to have a boyfriend, as an example. You know, it was uh, very Catholic, uh, uh, he was waking me up, uh, you know, early to go to church. And uh, yeah, he, he was telling me if I had to go for a walk, you know, or he was uh, obsessed, you know, if I was coming home five minutes later, he was uh, losing his mind. Uh, but I think it was all a way to express his rage because, you know, instead of looking for help, as he should have, in my opinion, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, it was easier to, you know, um, to express his rage, you know, in the household where he was definitely the king, you know, it, it was the breadwinner. So he was uh, uh, undisputedly, you know, uh, in power in that scenario. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of domestic violence happened because of that. And it's not only a physical violence all the time, actually. The, the majority of the time, it was the terror that I had. The mental, isn't it? Yeah, I was really terrified of him losing his control because I was terrified for myself. I was terrified, you know, eventually for my mom. I I remember, you know, a few times we were in the car with him and he was always driving because he he didn't let my mom driving when he was, you know, in charge. Uh, Even though my mom, she was a very good driver. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember him uh, a few times actually um, being upset uh, with my mom and having this anger, you know, episodes and saying, you know, if you don't shut up, I will go against that tree, you know, with a car, you know, stop it, don't shut up. And I was terrified, of course, you know, because I was like, I don't want to die like this. And, and no one knows if it was meaning that for real or it was just, you know, uh, an accusation. Thankfully, we don't know that because we're still alive. Right. But a few years ago, because as you said, you know, I started becoming, you know, a, a, woman, uh, a women's rights activist. I was reading the, some statistics and I was reading that many times, some, many femicides are undercover, you know, because we, we don't know what they were, because sometimes, you know, they, they can be car accidents or other type of accidents. And I, when I remember I, I read the car accident, I was petrified and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe it could have been me. And yeah. And, uh, so it, it was, it was very, I was very sad, uh, when I was a child, when I was at home, but, uh, thankfully I'm very sociable. So I had brilliant friends 
And they really, really, I think they really saved my life because I was very happy with them. So I, you know, I was quite, quite sad and depressed, you know, when I was at home and, uh, but then I think, thankfully I, I could go out and, you know, and then when I was 19, I, I decided to go to live by myself and, you know, study university in another city. Was that allowed? How was that received uh, by your father? Yeah. My mother, she helped me because she understood I really uh, had enough. Uh, my father, I remember he was giving me cash uh, to pay for the expense of the house, but only he wanted me to stay there only three days a week. The three days I had the lesson and then he pretended me to go back home and yeah, and take the cash for the next week, basically. Uh, but I, I never done that. I started working and I, I started earning money while I was studying. So I, I became quite independent. Uh, it was still helping me, uh, of course, but uh, yeah, I, I, I then took slowly my independence. And then I, I created my own family quite early mm-hmm. because I think I always dreamed, you know, about having a happy family. And I'm, a, um, I feel, you know, I'm very maternal. I, I love children. Uh, I love my children. So I had them quite young and, uh, and you, you've got a boy and a girl, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that's the best decision I ever had, right. you know, ever made because I think being a mother made me also a better person made me more responsible and everything I've done, I've done for them for sure. Not only for me and everything I'm, I'm still doing also I do for them. Right. Because I would like to leave them a better world, a better planet, you know, better society. So um, whatever I can do to, to help that, you know, if it's writing, if it's activism, if it's just talking with, you know, uh, friends and trying to influence some, you know, some people, I, I, I think it's my responsibility to do that. And I think uh, each one of us, right, we, we can make a difference. I always say we are a drop. Maybe we are a drop in the ocean, the ocean. but ocean yeah. is made by many drops, right? So never underestimate our, you know, power and what the difference we can make in this world. Mindset-wise, you went through such a huge transition and probably not every woman has the strength that you born with. Some of these things you need to learn, you need to get the right support to get there because a lot of women are being broken. You obviously were given, gifted, you know, by, by God, universe, you name it, something within you that held you, held your strength. You obviously suffered through some sort of a PTSD, the fact that you don't remember much from your childhood up to the age of eight. This is the, like a trauma coping mechanism isn't it that you had to go through and then to stand up to your father at still very young age when you were a teenager when most of kids don't have to deal with those things I mean I'm saying most whoever's lucky because that world is so much undercover that people don't know it's not something you come out on the streets and start bragging about or complaining because usually you think but potentially maybe it's your fault, you know, that it's not the uh, um, abuser's fault. And to, for you to go through the journey and to have that, it's, it's very interesting for me to know how, how, how your mindset, you, you obviously have this inner strength, but when you build your family, when you had your children, is there something that you had to, that was different in, you, in the, um, you know, as a mother, bringing up your children did you have to do i don't know some sort of mantras or what would you be saying to your girl um to make sure that she 
whatever happens in her life, you know, you, I, I would have trusted you, you would have chosen your partner, um, you know, the, in the right way to not to have the same experience being repeated, but she's got her own life to live through and to make sure that history doesn't repeat itself in the family. What would you be saying to, to your daughter as you were raising her when she was little? Yeah, I, I did exactly the opposite of what my parents did, exactly the opposite. So I, every time I, I was thinking, I have to break this chain, you know, I have to break this circle. So first of all, violence is not admitted in my family in any way of shape. So, you know, even if someone, you know, can stress you or annoys you, whatever, you know, we, we talk, we only talk. And also we are we're kind of patient. I tell you the truth of my household is very happy. We have a lot of laugh. We communicate a lot. We talk a lot. We speak yeah. a lot. Uh, I remember as an example, you know, in my uh, childhood when my brother was, you know, punching me quite usually, uh, I was complaining with my mom, you know, I was going there crying, I was saying, you know, he punched me. And, uh, and I remember she, she, the first reaction she had, the first things she used to tell me were like, oh, what did you do to him? What did you do to him? Like, wow. like it wasn't my fault, right? So I, I grew up and I remember I had to defend myself. So I started throwing things at him. And I mean, like I, I had to defend myself and it was bigger than me it was, you know, but I, I did a quite a good job, but then, you know, again, I was too strong. I was too smart and I was too rebel. So I was actually, it was like my mom, she had to defend him. Unbelievable. So, yeah. So in my household, you know, when my children were, you know, for whatever reason, you know, fighting, you know, children that they, they, they can do that all the time, you know, and again, my son is older, you know, and stronger. I always said, you know, you don't do anything. You don't touch her. You don't, do, I don't like these jokes. You know, I don't like it. So I always pointed out uh, that, you know, violence is never, never omitted. And I think each one of us, they should do this with our children. Right. I think children, they learn from the parents. And unfortunately, many times, you know, they see the parents, especially, unfortunately, uh, the father. But again, as I said, you know, even, you know, the, the mothers can replicate this, you know, attitude. Mm. And then they justify violence. But if you justify violence, you know, physical violence, you know, and even mental violence, of course, is horrible. So we shouldn't, you know, um, abuse, uh, you know, our, our brothers and sisters, you know, as, in the same way we pretend, you know, we will grow up and we will find a society ready to accept us in a, in a decent way, in a kind way. So I, I strongly, you know, uh, decided to change everything. And now I have an amazing relationship with both of them. And I'm, I'm quite proud of that. I think actually this is the, the main goal <laughs> in my life. I think it's my legacy, right? Apart from, mm -hmm. you know, the rest, because yeah, I think family comes first before, you know, everything else. What's your relationship like with your mom? My mom, unfortunately, she passed away uh, due to COVID last year. Uh, it oh, was no. a tragedy. Yeah, I'm and so sorry. Like, um, lately, we were closer because finally she was accepting, you know, my uh, point of view and my truth, you know, and she was going through, you know, uh, but it was very hard for her because, you know, she was she was quite old, you know, and and of course admitting, you know, that I was the right failures, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It wouldn't be, you know, I mean, admit that, uh, you know, a lot of things went wrong. And uh, I remember when I was a teenager telling her all the time, please get divorced, please get divorced, you know, right. and she never listened to me. She, she, she chose my, 
you know, my father. And I was like, okay, fine. And, uh, you know, but I, I tried my best and uh, I um, I don't believe we should, no one should stay, you know, married in an unhappy and dangerous marriage. I think, you know, marriage can be good if you find, you know, someone who treats you like an equal and gives you support and, uh, and happiness and strength and, you know, care, but it has to be mutual. So I think if a woman doesn't find that, uh, she's definitely better off by herself <laughs> or maybe with another, you know, uh, spouse. So I, I, I believe um, a lot has to change in our society in order to make, you know, women and children safe. Because then, you know, uh, children, they're always the ones who pay the highest price. Mm, As you yeah. said before, it's true. You know, I I was really lucky to to come out. You know, like this because I know other you know people who went through, especially women who went through hell when they were children, and they I don't think they never recovered. I think some of them they maybe still depressed in their fifties or sixties, and uh, and it's very sad because we should, of course, we should help everyone, right? We, we shouldn't only think oh women they have to be strong in order to you know protect themselves. Yeah, it's wrong. You know, I mean, I think society should be fair, you know, and, and men especially should be, you know, decent with all type of women, not only with the strong one who can defend themselves. And I know you have very strong views on the marriage itself, and it partially comes from your personal experience as well. Um, you, you do believe that you have all the right to be happy and there's no woman that should stay. And just like what you said, in a marriage where she feels trapped, unsupported, people grow and sometimes it's okay to separate the path and do your thing. Do it with someone else or do it by yourself, right? Um, Is this stereotypical kind of social impact or like a stigma that is being put on their society. How do you take that? Because I know, you know, you being a rebel and you taking, making the change and taking things, pretty much everything, breaking it down and creating some new standards. So if you could talk from your personal experience, um, relationships, marriage-wise and family-wise, what what are you looking for now? How how does it work for you um, in order to support your growth and your, um, mindset and what would be the best for you, you reckon right now? Yeah. So I, I, I still think that I would be great if I can find a man who can, you know, share with me, uh, the border on some responsibilities and, you know, give me, uh, some good time, you know, and happiness and support also, you know, um, someone who can share my values, right. And my eventually, you know, political, you know, activism, but I'm not the kind of woman who thinks that's uh, necessary in order to be happy. I am mm-hmm. definitely very happy <laughs> about myself. And uh, so it can be a plus, uh, a great plus. It can be a plus, but I, I don't believe in the Prince Charming, you know, <laughs> fairy right. tale. I, uh, I, I'm too grown up and I saw too much. Sometimes, unfortunately, uh, you know, it's all more about, uh, you know, the exterior, the superficial, you know, the shell and, and, and then inside a lot of people, um, they suffer and they're, they're trapped maybe marriages just because, you know, society. 
still, uh, you know, uh, values more people who are, you know, looked uh, happily married and uh, still stigmatized, you know, maybe sometimes, especially divorced women. Uh, and single women. Uh, so um, actually my, my next book will be about this topic because I, I really like to uh, cover this. I think this is a, a, such an important topic, right? Because it deals with our daily lives, you know, our affective life, our sexual life. Uh, and I feel sorry for, you know, uh, for the stigma that society gives to women, right? Because usually if we think about, you know, um, a man, if it's single or maybe divorced, it doesn't really get into all this, you know, social, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. Yes. Scrutiny. And, uh, and I think it should be the same for women, right? There's nothing different. And, uh, I, I think women should be free uh, to to be happy and uh, and feel satisfied, you know, both you know alone or with someone. And also, as you said, you know, we change. So some lucky people eventually change together, and they can you know keep their you know uh, relationship uh, uh, growing with them. But, but it's not a given, right? Exactly. It's not given. Exactly. So I think we should all work towards that. And from my experience, I saw that many times, a lot of men, they just, you know, give it for granted. They think, mm -hmm. oh yeah, I found, you know, my wife, it's fine. She stays there. <laughs> Let me have fun, you know, eventually outside the marriage or doing something else. But, I mean, it's not fair. So I, right. I think the, the institutional marriage should evolve with society, with the role of women that has evolved, thankfully. Uh, I, I believe uh, still strongly in maternity and I believe uh, that uh, we should support mothers in any possible way because we really create, you know, the society we live in. We have this gift and it's a wonderful gift. Uh, still, uh, of course, as a feminist, I understand that we shouldn't value women only if they're mothers, of course, if they, they decide not to have children, uh, should be fine. But I, I think women should embrace their, you know, inner goddess, as I always say, mm -hmm. and if the society should help them, you know, uh, also an economical support, eventually tax relief of, you know, anything support them in order to have children. I think we will have more children and more happy families and, uh, and adults that are in, eventually in the future, they are actually better, better adults. Because I remember I studied this wonderful book about uh, violence because I'm, I'm intrigued about, you know, understanding why, is that that we have so much violence in our society and unfortunately the majority of this violence is male violence is it, is it a little bit to do with your self-therapy method is uh, it to help you as well in, in any shape or form of course i think uh, knowledge uh, is useful for anyone you know to overcome any type of obstacles so in my in my personal life i think studying uh, a lot helped me a lot and I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the professors I had. But I also, I, I, I study by myself. So as an example, this book is it's really wonderful, I think. It's The Anatomy of Violence. So, uh, and it goes through, you know, um, the differences between, you know, the theories that want, you know, a balance coming only from nurture, from society, right? Or mm -hmm. from, you know, nature. Nature, yeah. Quite wonderful book. And it comes out that actually the way um, the mother uh, leaves while she's pregnant and uh, the first two years of life 
of a baby, they can impact a lot in his uh, epigenetic, in the way, you know, his, uh, you know, his body can change his brain, develop his emotions, you know. Um, and yeah, it can also make uh, an adult more eventually violent. So, you know, in order to support, I think, a peaceful society, I think it should be fundamental for our politicians to start investing more in motherhood, mothers and children, especially in early childhood. It's the early fundamentals, isn't it, that um, taken for granted or not really, that's what I hear from this book, what you've said, that, that early stage development is so important to um, make some profound, yes, established qualities of a grown-up adult personality. But it starts as early as at that early stage of human being's life. Yes, that's very yes. interesting. Yeah did um, did you did you forgive your father? That's a good question. I. So growing up, I, I was always in touch with him uh, and my kids as well. So that's why, you know, I never broke up uh, completely because I, I never had his, the, not living with him anymore. I, you know, I didn't have this problem anymore. Yeah, it was just calling me sometimes. Sometimes it was bad with my mom. So I was on the phone, you know, I was trying to calm him down, but it was different. So I, I w- was always, uh, you know, trying to, to have a, you know, a civilized relationship. Uh, I, I think he suffered a lot because I, I, I never really loved him so much and he felt that. So he was, uh, you know, after his, uh, you know, uh, bad episodes of rage, he was actually a good man. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, very intelligent. He was, uh, he was feeling very sorry. He was apologizing. He was asking for, you know, um, for me to forgive him. So mm-hmm. it's quite complicated, right? I mean, individuals are never black and white, totally. And he was uh, also was, you know, a well-known professor, was a doctor. That's why people are shocked because usually people think, you know, completely wrongly that, you know, maybe domestic violence only happens in certain type of society. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think it's much more widespread or at least it was, I, I hope now things are different because we're talking about that much more. And, um, but yeah, so I, I, I think, uh, I think, yes, I think I, I forgive him, you know, during the years, but being, being free from his control and, mm-hmm. you know, his, uh, terror, you know, uh, kingdom. Yeah. I think, I think because I let myself free and that, that, that helped me. And then I became independent economically as well. So that again, helped me. And, um, yeah. And, and then I think time, you know, helps anyway. Right. Because, uh, and, and also I am talking about mindset because I, I know you, you're interested in that. I, I think my mindset is always to look forward, never mm-hmm. look back. Mm-hmm. So I am the kind of person who can put, you know, a stone on top of, uh, you know, the past and uh, I understand what happened. I close the, you know, the deals and uh, I move forward. I'm, I'm very positive. I look at the future. I invest in myself. So I think that really helped me. That's why, you know, I wasn't always thinking about, oh my God, you know, what it is, what happened to you? No, that, that's not my attitude. But I think eventually it's, it's the right one. <laughs> 
Oh, well, absolutely, 100%. You, st- you stood up to abuse, the violence. You st- stood up to it in another probably developing stage of your life, isn't it? Just going through teenage years when, you know, you didn't wait till 40 to stand mm-hmm. up for yourself. You waited till 40 up until you were ready to talk about it publicly. But so early on in the early teens that you were able to stay, to say to your father that it's time to stop. It's not going to happen with me anymore. And how the power of just that act to get that courage to do that, it can be life-changing because a lot of violence comes from inner insecurities, I believe. And once this, you know, that physical strength is met by another strength, the, the, the abuser crumbles in some shape or form. It's not necessarily the case at all times, but it takes it, it, it's a good chance to stand up for yourself, to just get all the courage together and just to say enough, enough is enough, isn't it? Yeah, that's true, Natalia. But also in my case, but I think this is the case uh, uh, commonly, uh, I, I threatened my father, not really with my physical strength, because I, I didn't really have that at the time. Yeah. The fact that I would have disclosed to the public right on so i was like at the time i said you know uh, i know there is this number you know for children i would call this uh, it's called telefono azzurro in italy blue telephone mm-hmm. and i remember i say that to him because i knew how much important was reputation for him because again you know in the outside world he was uh, he was loved. he was loved it was totally loved by all the other, you know, uh, doctors and nurses. He was a director of a hospital or the main, uh, in, you know, only, you know, university hospital. So he was, uh, was a quite a, you know, well-known figure. And um, yeah, so he, I think that was the thing that stopped him the most. Mm-hmm. This terror to be judged for what, who he really was. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I think that, as an example, when, you know, uh, I think about Me Too movement, the mm-hmm. real tra- strength of the movement is that, is the fact that all these, you know, bad episodes that happen, you know, hidden and happened for, you know, centuries, millennia, you know, now finally they, they found the way to get out and be widespread, you know, they were shown out. And, um, and so people, there, you know, especially the ones with the, you know, bad conscience who know that uh, they actually were doing something wrong. They were terrified yeah. because they were like, oh my God, you know, so everyone will know what I'm actually doing. So the impunity of doing that, you know, uh, in a place where you think you are fine, you know, you can use your power, no one will know, disappeared. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's very important for anyone, uh, for victims to speak up. Yeah, because it will prevent other people to become victim. You mentioned Me Too, and it's it, it's becoming um, a little bit of a double-edged sword, doesn't it? When the true villains being exposed, and so so many of them are very high-profile people that we read and hear about, but at the same time, there are also women that take advantage of a little bit of that. But do you think is better that? than nothing because in the future we're creating the, uh, the tra- tra- trajectory because there's, you know, and 
I've heard you speak on other interviews before when you spoke about feminism, because it's not about, um, you know, feminist that means hatred to men. It's about, you know, unified, strong society with both sexes coming to strong place, supporting each other. It's by no means against men. Um, but at the same time, just like there's so many people, so many characters, so many opinions, and um, not every woman is right either. So it created a bit of a wave when perhaps some um, unfair um, accusations been made. How do you, how, what's your opinion on that? I think that uh, the Me Too movement was a blessing for humanity, honestly, because uh, yeah. it really, really broke the cycle of silence. And mm -hmm. uh, silence is what, you know, gives more power to, you know, uh, abusers. Silence is what feeds them. So I don't think uh, many women took advantage of this, honestly. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, it could happen. Uh, we don't know. But the, the vast majority of the abuse, you know, especially sexual abuse, you know, many cases that women have to endure, uh, I think it's, uh, it's really disgusting. And I think we need a change of culture because mm -hmm. it's a cultural thing, right? I think many men, they, they just thought, okay, I have the power. I can do whatever I want. You know, no one will yeah. ever stop me. So in order to change the culture, you need to really, really make your voice heard. And social media in this case, you know, they were helpful. Of course, not everyone is happy about that because when you, pro when you promote change in a society, especially in patriarchal societies, you have the backlash. So you have eventually, you know, uh, people saying this is too much, this is enough, this is too dangerous, you know, no, no. but uh, I mean, men could, could, you know, lie as well. And uh, the reality is that going through the scrutiny, you know, is not, it's not something pleasant. I don't yeah. think many women, they, they lie because it's horrible what we go through, you know, when we denounce something because they, they, they check your telephone, they check your life, they check your, I mean, it's not an easy path. So I, I, totally actually tend to believe in uh, in women and i think that the ones who speak up are the ones who really had a nightmare of a you know of an experience a life you know changed by yeah and uh, in these days also we are looking at this we listen to this horrible case of uh, uh Ghislaine maxwell and uh, mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. know the former uh, girlfriend and assistant of uh, the pedophile epstein mm -hmm. and i i'm i'm horrified that the fact that she she's actually she's the woman she was helping him facilitator you know, so absolutely complicit with him she was uh, this is disgusting but you know that that's the problem you know i'm not saying that women are angels because unfortunately mm -hmm. many women if they promote that type of society and culture they're actually against you know other women so misogyny can be perpetrated by women. Let's be clear, it's, it's horrible, you know, and in this case, uh, pedophilia, that is, I think, the, the worst, you know, I think the, you know, thing that can Disgusting. Happen. I think the, the word is, there's, there's no word to, you know, describe as strongly as it possibly be, but it, it's, it's a disgusting. Yeah. Um, so. And it, it's, it's... Yeah, it's the the fact that this high profile case now has a woman as part of that. Um, it's terrible. 
It's, it's terrible. terrible. I read every day about, you know, everything and what's going on, you know, uh, in the process. And this is really, it's really mind blowing what, what happened. And if you think about what happened was, uh, was allowed by the culture, the general culture, you know, the society, uh, let it happen, you know, because he was a powerful man because in the name of uh, money, who for some people is a new God, everything was, was possible. Mm -hmm. So they were denouncing him. You know, this house manager who is telling now that, you know, he picked up a 14 years ago, you know, I mean, in, a, in, in, in another type of society with the decent culture, you know, it shouldn't happen because the house manager should go to the police and mm -hmm. say, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. You know, this shouldn't happen. And so, yeah, I think they're all, all complicit. I think it's disgusting. But again, you see how much, you know, a society, you know, the general culture can, you know, make the difference. So it's, um, it's the ambience. The same thing that happened, you know, uh, now, thank God, it's changing. Uh, but that happened, you know, in the past in Italy uh, regarding mafia, right? I mean, flourish mm. only when there is silence, you know? When people are silent and you have no witnesses, no one, you know, has, uh, you know, the courage to speak up and say, this is wrong. This is ethically wrong, morally wrong. Horrible things happen. That's so right. in this case, I think uh, the Me Too movement gave a voice to victim and giving a voice to victim is always good. You know, uh, even if there is some danger, I think it's so minor and little compared exactly. to the benefits that the society can gain, especially in the long term. Mm. I believe uh, cultural changes, they, they take time, they take generations. So it, it won't happen, you know, suddenly. Uh, and we also see there are different nations with different reactions to that. Not, mm -hmm. uh, I, I know because I always compare, you know, Italy and the UK, my two, you know, countries. <laughs> yes, yes. And I see huge differences. And uh, I'm sure you can do the same with Russia and uh, the UK, right? That's right. And, um, yeah, so it's very, very interesting. But I, I'm a positive thinker. And I think that uh, in the long term, yeah, women's rights would be widespread much, much more and respected much more equal opportunities, you know, will finally become a reality and mm -hmm. not hope. And, and children as well would be more protected because I, I care a lot about children safeguarding as well. Any change is always meets resistance because it's yes. out of the comfort zone, out of the norms. And you, Paola, wrote a best-selling best book, Saving the World, Women, the 21st Century Factor for Change. And it's a very bold name, isn't it? Saving the world. And it, but it so makes sense within the context of what we've just discussed. But it also sounds to me like it comes right from within Paola, this little girl who needed to be saved but became her own savior. For me, for some reason, because it's all saving the world, you know, superhero, it kind of takes me to a bit of a naive, but in a good way, you know, the, the, the statement that the, the clear mind and this purity of the child and be like, we're going to save the world, you know? And I feel like this name comes from within little you, but you became your own savior. So I see, I see quite a bit of 
play on the word. So, and, and this book, um, I didn't get a chance to read it, but I hear that this is a manifesto almost. It's not a, so you, you, as I mentioned in the, in the beginning, you're very outspoken, you have very strong beliefs and um, you admired for that. Uh, you, you're not afraid to speak your mind. And in this book, you're doing exactly that. This is what the problem is. This is the root cause of the problem. Tell, tell us more about your book. What, what was behind the writing and how was it received? How was it um, now as you analyze, because it, it's, um, it was in 2018, isn't it, that um, it came out. So now three years on, you're thinking about the new book. And how did these three years um, reflect for you after the release of that book? Yeah, so it uh, it's definitely a bold title. I did it in purpose, <laughs> and I I think we should be bold when we talk about you know uh, women's issues because what one thing that always drives me mad uh, is that uh, we consider uh, women's you know problems like like uh, minority problems like and I always say yeah but we are not a minority we are actually the majority of the population. <laughs> respect you know that's right yeah i think you you know we should uh, gain a little bit more attention i'm sorry uh but no our problems are always at the end you know the agenda uh unfortunately but of course that comes from the patriarchal society and culture so i i wrote the book because i i think uh, in, in the last you know 10 years during my journey i i learned a lot because before becoming an entrepreneur i i i was in politics in italy mm-hmm. not uh in front line i was behind the scenes but i learned a lot <laughs> especially being behind the scenes <laughs> So I saw the boys club, uh, uh, literally, you know, working and strongly and, uh, and yeah, and gaining power and power and power to his, you know, boy, you know, uh, I mean, component. Cause you were, were, you were part of the think tank in support of yes. former Italian prime minister, Romano Prodi, isn't it? Wasn't yeah. that the case? Yeah. yeah. So uh, after my, my master's degree, my professor was amazing. He asked me to join, you know, the political campaign. And I started from nothing really. Uh, just and, and then I, I started receiving a little bit more, you know, responsibilities because I guess he trusted me. And I was literally the only woman. So I was listening to these meetings, right? And I was amazed by this, you know, men who were bold, who were, you know, ambitious who had no problems at all talking about power, talking about money, uh, helping each other, you know, mm-hmm. finding ways to, uh, to, to gain power and to, to get more money, to get into the boards of, uh, you know, top companies. Mm-hmm. And I, I was always thinking why women, they don't do the same. That's why right. Yeah. Are, you know, not behaving like that. Why we are at the margins of society of power, especially in Italy for when I come from, right? Because of course here things were a little bit better. They are actually a little bit better still nowadays. And um, yeah, and I think my studies in political science, you know, philosophy, history, especially sociology, they help me understanding where we are coming from. So my book uh, comes from, from this understanding. So I, I point out the traditions that are, you know, uh, were invented during centuries in order to control women. Mm-hmm. And to keep us uh, not only not really down, but uh, you know, like let's say relegated into the household. So yeah, know the, your place. 
Yes, exactly. The kitchen, uh-huh. right? Yeah. <laughs> so that was the division, right? So the power, money, and fun, uh, you know, goes to men. And everything started, if you think about it, with the Greek, you know, um, society and Greek philosophers. Uh, they're amazing. You know, we study them, but no one tells you that they were actually considering women like, you know, slaves. They, they were considering women like, um, you know, non-important, like, uh, you know, they had no rights. And I had to study by myself. I had to learn that by myself. <laughs> yeah, big, big time. Who, who is worshipped? Look at the biggest artists. Look at the biggest, you know, sculptors. There were plenty of women that were as talented, but yeah, as many we, men that are worshipped. And exactly, we don't know them. So we don't know them. Yeah, it's it's you know it has a lot of uh, you know uh, a lot of history there is behind you know women's discrimination. It doesn't start yesterday. I think actually it is the longest type of discrimination, more than racism. That's quite interesting. Uh, racism is quite more recent than uh, than misogyny and and sexism so yeah but still is the i think it's still very much widespread uh i i cover you know in my book i talk about the need of a feminist diplomacy so i think developed countries they should finally put you know women's rights at the top of their agenda mm-hmm. not only in their own country but also in their uh, diplomatic efforts with other countries, you know, when they are going to give aid, you know, and help and money, they should put in the, on, you know, on the table, uh, we give you this, but you give us something back in return. So you implement this type of laws that help, you know, women, you yeah. uh, respect yeah. this type of rights. You know, I think it's totally doable. Sweden used to do that. And I think we should, uh, you know, uh, of course, not only one country, um, the, the power comes, you know, if uh, a group of strong countries, they start, you know, changing their agendas altogether and, and doing, you know, this type of new diplomacy. As an example, this could help. And then there are other things that help, of course, education, like, you know, Malala says, you know, a girl with a pen and a book, you know, she's, <laughs> she's uh, more dangerous you know, than anything yeah. else. Dangerous in the, in, the, in the good sense, in the sense yeah. that she can change the world. And, but uh, that's not enough, in my opinion, from my experience. I think that's the beginning, but then women need to have, to be financially independent. That's right. Until they won't be financially independent. They will be more victim of abuse, especially in family. Mm-hmm. Because we know a lot of women, they don't leave their violent husband because they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do with the children. They don't know what to do with their lives. So money is a very useful instrument. And if we don't, you know, let women be economically independent. And uh, yeah, until then, the real power... I think uh, one one come the real change. So it's it's, it's a material world, isn't it? So as, as a mother, as a wife, you yeah, you would have you would think about those things. Where would you go? And money become power, and um, of course, you're yeah, right. Can, so that it's a structure, you know, problem. So there are many different uh, ways to address it, and yeah. it's not one. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't address it. <laughs> it means actually we should invest more money, right? I think we should invest billions, you know, in trying to tackle, you know, domestic violence, 
you know, trying to uh, help women, you know, uh, uh, get them more empowered, you know, access education everywhere in the world because we can't abandon, you know, women in other countries. What's happening now in Afghanistan is disgraceful, disgraceful. I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm shocked about what happened, mm. you know, um, anyone could, you know, predict that women in Afghanistan would have, you know, lived like hell if mm -hmm. you know, uh, our troops were going away. And still this happened because I think that, you know, their value wasn't so high. They weren't considered, you know, so much their lives. And so now they live, uh, I don't know in which way uh, for them, it's, the stories are just horrible. And we, well, we washed our hands. Well, and we, we talk about the uh, um, different cultures and different societies. And uh, I guess, you know, here in the UK, you just, on the contrast, you can see how, how lucky we are to be working with the change from the space of where we are, although it's not perfect. It's only the beginning. But when you look at Far East or you know, the, the, the very strongly male dominant cultures, religions. And it's, it's different. Uh, so what you say is right, but actually uh, things are changing. Things are mm -hmm. moving. No, 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 things are moving also in the Arab world. Of course, they, there is so much to do. I, uh, maybe, maybe they're like 50 years behind. Yeah. A little bit more. Of course, religion can be uh, an instrument of uh, control women uh we know that all religions yeah. actually, and i talk yeah. about my book a lot <laughs> i actually have a chapter where it's called uh, um where uh, god is a woman interesting because, right <laughs> because it's it's very interesting if you look at about all religions you know um the gods are always male <laughs> coincidence <laughs> good point good point yeah yeah but you know before actually uh before monotheistic religions and polytheistic religions there was the mother you know mother earth so she was she was a woman so at the very beginning actually when motherhood was considered some kind of magic and uh -huh. you know you understand why you know these babies were coming from <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> women were worshipped like goddesses and yeah, we were much, much more powerful. So hopefully one day. One day we, we're getting there. And it's with the help of uh, people like yourself who are standing up for the rights, for what is right as well. Um, and it, I, I, I admire a lot of people with um, opinions, strong opinion, good opinions and defending their positions and making the change, not just arguing about it, at the kitchen table, um, for me, it's like, if you can't do anything about it, it's not worth even talking about it, do something about it. So you taking it definitely to, to the next level. And you certainly, the goddess, um, from where you are, what you've achieved, and you, I see in the background, absolutely stunning interiors of your home. So I wanted to touch a little bit on the environment of, you know, you as a goddess. Um, because you don't, you, you not only put um, effort into your work, into your success as a 
activist, as a professional, as entrepreneur, but you also made your home really pretty. Would you be able to tell the listeners a little bit more? Because this is exactly what um, my audience is after, just where, where the goddess Paola lives and how do you set up your home? I love it. Thank you. Actually, I love interior design and I love I art. can tell. It's absolutely <laughs> stunning. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah, so I think you can see, uh, yeah, actually, my last gift to myself for this uh, uh, beautiful uh, painting on wood and uh, made by this uh, French emerging artist. His name is uh, David Servan Schieber. And he's just super talented. Uh, I'm such a fan. So I think I might buy a new one soon. Right. <laughs> it's mixed with the Italian statue. And then I have, uh, yeah, maybe there are too many, too many plants here. Uh, I have a few photographs uh, of Tim Walker. I don't know if you know him. It's wonderful. It's dreamy. Uh, I've heard of him, yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I have quite a few also emerging artists. And I try always to uh, also to buy women and men, so mm-hmm. have a balance. Uh, and I I have a few photographs of Delphine Diallo. She's an incredible artist. Uh, she lives in New York, and she gives uh, she's giving power to black women. She portrays them as warriors, and mothers, goddesses. So I have actually woman goddess. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> I have a warrior. Love it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I love, you know, also I think maybe being Italian, you know, I was surrounded by beauty, you know, and uh, architecture and everything. So even if I now live, you know, in London, uh, yeah, Notting Hill, I, I try my best to be surrounded by beauty. How do you set up your home in terms of the, uh, I, I can see a lot of neutral colors in interiors and, a lot of greenery as well as beautiful artwork. Where's, where would you say your favorite space in your house? Where are you the most productive? Where do, where do you write your book, for example, just to take it to the, how, how does it work for you? Do you break down your house on the different areas? This is the area where I'm the most productive. This is my corner where I read. This is the corner where I write. Do, do you have something like that? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I actually write only in my bedroom. Uh, on my desk, uh, I have to be silent, you know, no one has to move around me. So totally yeah, calm. And, uh, if not, I can't write, I can concentrate. Really? <laughs> Do you write it, is it just during the day or it's a night thing when the world is asleep and then you just, uh, depends or early morning or uh-huh. yeah, during the day, but yeah, it has to be quiet. And, uh, for the rest, I, I love to spend time in the living room and read read I, I read a lot so yeah maybe that, that's my favorite yeah, part yeah your living room yeah 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 beautiful and your personal routines again to support you in your um in your fight and your success in becoming who you have already become um i i i, it, it, I just think i have this feeling that you have the the way you know about yourself, all the things that you know about yourself and what you resonate. I believe that you would have tested and found like a perfect routine for yourself, your non-negotiables. And I know there's a martial art that is part of that as well. Would you be able to share your routine? What are your non-negotiables? 
Yeah, so my non-negotiables are my green tea uh, early morning when I wake up and my iPad with uh, two or three newspapers. So I, I have to read, let's say one okay. hour. Right. So um, you know, I don't, I don't really like to talk when I... <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> And then I go to my dogs, I walk the dogs. So I think this is non-negotiable. And then my training. Yeah, I, I train in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Unfortunately, now I'm quite busy uh, these days and I can't train every day as I was used to. Uh, I hope I will go back there soon. And Because uh, yeah. I hear there's, there's some tremendous success there as well. <laughs> I was actually successful. Yeah, uh, but I, I, you know, it's a journey. So I, I, I don't know now how it's going to be. My situation, I would try. Maybe I would do the Europeans next year as well. Oh, so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but of course, my division, my age, and everything. But yeah, I, it was quite, quite fun. And uh, I, I, I love, I love Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So it's really uh, a martial art. I, I did quite a lot of martial arts. So, I, yeah. I practiced a lot of them. Um, but this one is my favorite one. Yeah. I would suggest this one to all women, especially for self defense reasons. I think it's great. Yeah. Right. Confidence in your own body. It, it teaches you techniques that are good for opponents that are bigger than you. So it could be quite useful. Yeah. Especially. Oh, wow. Because the, the, my introduction to martial arts happened actually with someone you may know, Dr. Tamara Russell, as part of the sorority. So she, uh, the, the introduction to the sword and Tai Chi and the Wonder energy. Yeah, yeah. So, but Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, wow. <laughs> and I, I just can't believe that you take it so far as in, you know, I'm, I'm competing. That's it. There's no middle ground. This is, this is part of the success. Fabulous. And to wrap the interview up, I've got five blitz questions for you. Um, top book recommendation that changed your mindset. So I, I love Sapiens of Yuval Noah Harari. I think he's a genius and uh, I would like to read it again, actually. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite maybe so far book. I, um, I think it changed my, not so sure about uh, general mindset, but I am sure it gave me uh, a better picture of how we treat animals. Mm -hmm. and so then I, I try to eat more plant-based. I, I okay. still also, you know. Um, but you're not vegetarian. No, I can't, unfortunately. You know? <laughs> I, I try my best. I try my best yeah. to eat a little bit more plant-based. And I think it's good. It's a good uh, way to, to try to help the planet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it gave me yeah, and, and more knowledge. And uh, again, because I love history, I think it's, it's a wonderful book. I suggest this to everyone. Absolutely. We'll go on my list as well. Household tasks you'd like to outsource? Uh, all of them. One hundred percent. I really don't enjoy. Okay, let me let me rephrase. Is there something that you've not outsourced yet? <laughs> you'd like to outsource yeah uh, i i think with the cooking the cooking yeah. cooking. So, uh, i i'm a very creative uh, chef but i i don't like to cook every day same time oh my gosh likewise likewise but, but i but i enjoy i enjoy cooking actually today i think i will i will do lasagna i have some guests oh. so I'm a new 
recipe for a new lasagna. <laughs> delicious, delicious. I can, with your Italian roots, the lasagna in your household is just the extra flavor. Food, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So your favorite meal of the day and why? Like breakfast, lunch, or dinner? I think it's lunch now because I'm trying to uh, intermittent fast. Okay. So I, 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 even though I love the breakfast, now I'm trying to be good and not have, yeah. So lunch usually is, is the main meal and I, yeah. How long, how long is the fasting window you need to do? Oh, it really depends on how disciplined you are. I think it's good if you can do maybe 14, 16 hours. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. of course, wow. there are people are more extreme, better. I'm, I don't know. I, I, again, I'm trying my best. You know, I, I know I'm not perfect. I'm just trying. And also, I, I love eating. I love food. So it's quite difficult for me. <laughs> I, I, I think it's all about striking the right balance for yourself, isn't it? You, I, I, extremes in, in, in any field. Um, um, I personally find it a bit too much. Um, but trying things out and what works for you, for your body, for your taste, for your lifestyle, that's crucial. Top choice for a famous house guest, and it can be current or historic figure. So I think um, I might be very happy to invite Hillary Clinton to oh. know uh, everything about uh, you know uh, her run for the White House, what's happening behind the scenes, also because she knows have been the first lady for <laughs> eight years. Yeah. So yeah, I think she has a lot of, uh, you know, knowledge and she could, uh, and she, I think she's a brilliant woman who was crucified because maybe she was too intelligent and too powerful. Uh, if she would have been a man, maybe she wouldn't be so, you know, scrutinized and attacked. I think right. so. Oh, interesting. Do you know her? Is it uh, on the cards? I I don't know her, but eventually in the future, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Exactly. Your dream house and location. I'm now thinking about uh, the countryside. So I think in the future, I might be happy, you know, happier in nature. And location, I, I definitely love Tuscany in Italy. Gorgeous. Uh, but I love the, the countryside in England as well. I think it has great you know allure and uh, yeah where in the country in, in england um which countryside are you looking at it's like cotswold or more uh, i like cotswold even though i prefer where there is less crowded so i i really look about maybe uh and uh some open fields maybe in gloucester or maybe even norther but I, honestly i think it's it's wonderful you know the which are as wonderful sorry it really it really depends uh, you're so, you're so Polly, but Paula, you're such a socialite as well. Like we, I know, uh, particularly like now, it's um, you know pre-Christmas and stuff. Uh, it, it's almost an escape for you. Are, you. are you done with all the business of the city? Is that what it is? Uh, I'm, I'm still doing a lot, but yeah, Christmas is, is huge, right? It's a huge time, but I, I, I love to meet people, especially after the pandemic and the lockdown, you know, I suffered quite a lot. So now I'm actually, uh, trying to meet all my friends and, you know, the people that I know also, I love to meet new people. That's what I love. I love to, you know, learn more, uh, and, and people who are different from me, right? Different nationalities, different cultures. I, I, I just love to learn. 
I think that's, uh, you know, my curiosity keeps me, you know, always positive and alive and happy about, you know, the unknown. That's right. That's right. I certainly was very happy to have met you and the aura that you resonate. And we had a good, um, good time at a couple of sorority events and dinners. So what is, what is next for you and where can the listeners find you and what is there to look out for? Yeah, so this is an exciting time for me because I'm filming the second season of Unleashed, The Game Changers. That is my YouTube show. It's also a podcast on Apple Podcasts, but definitely is uh, a YouTube uh, um, show. And I'm, I'm interviewing people, again, game changers from different paths. But this time I will focus a lot also on uh, gender identity, this new ideology that I'm, I'm quite critical about. So I want to give voice to people who are uh, without voice because unfortunately uh, without or have, you know, have been uh, abused trying to speak up. Mm-hmm. That's a huge point for me. You know, I'm uh, such a defender of free speech. And also I don't like um, when women's rights are attacked. And mm-hmm. in this case, this new ideology is clashing with women's rights in, you know, sometimes actually quite many times. <laughs> so I think women should definitely be able to speak about that, you know, without being labeled. And, and we should have an honest conversation and we should always defend women's rights and children's rights first. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I will certainly put all the links to your wonderful podcast which is also YouTube, um, as you said, YouTube um, format. Um, it, it was a huge inspiration for me before I started the podcast because uh, this is where I've, I've heard about you and um, I've, I've watched and I absolutely loved Unleashed, the game changes. It's um, certainly a lot of voices that needed to be heard, but not necessarily out there speaking for themselves and you bringing those voices out and putting them in front of the camera and into in the bigger audience for big crowds and it's it's beautiful um absolute good luck with your next book looking forward to hearing more about that and um if people want to connect with you where what is the best channel uh definitely they can find me on instagram and twitter uh my account is paladayan underscore so yeah, I'm public, I'm there and uh, yeah, so they can connect with me and I'm happy to comment, uh, make a comment all the time and res- respond to inquiries. Gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming onto my show. It's been an absolute pleasure. You are the true change maker, game changer, the um, outspoken, beautiful, very powerful woman and powerful, not in the, in the material sense, but powerful with the way you represent the women race, with the way you carry yourself. And I was so happy to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Paola. Have an amazing day and I'll speak to you and see you hopefully soon. Thank you, Natalia. My pleasure. See you soon. See you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast. Please don't forget to like, leave your review and share with your friends and family. For more information on the design services we offer, visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors as well as on LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.